It was evening time and Simon was ready for his guests to arrive. Simon, a prominent religious leader, his parties always attracted a good range of fellow leaders, prominent members of the community. But held in his courtyard, his meals were also open for others to come in and listen as they spoke about the latest news, the latest religious debates of the day. It would have been a full packed courtyard. As the guests arrived, Simon greeted them in the traditional way, a, a kiss on both cheeks, a sign of peace. Then he would instruct his servants to wash his guests' dusty feet, sprinkle them in sweet-smelling oil or perfume, readying them for the meal they were about to recline and eat. Conversation was flowing, drinks flowing as well as the respected guests, they mingled and discussed who was invited. They discussed the, the headline act in some ways. You see, Simon had invited this teacher who had been making waves in Nazareth, a dusty carpenter called Jesus. Someone spouting controversial opinions, seemingly some claimed he even performed miracles and some of those fellow Pharisees of Simon had seen and heard some of what he'd gone on. So Simon invited Jesus to dinner to find out more about this man from Nazareth, to quiz him, to question him. Jesus arrived. Conversation simmered down around the courtyard. As Jesus approached Simon, silence. No kiss, no offer to wash his dirty feet, no oil or perfume. Instead, a upturned nose, a, a snobbish Jesus, they call you, don't they? As Jesus gently and patiently nodded and said that was indeed him. Seemingly unperturbed by this lack of welcome, this rudeness, Jesus then went ahead and reclined at the table. Who is this man who reclines before the elders have? Who, who is this who comes in and presumptively begins the meal? Disgruntled, the others sat down as awkward silence now festered in the air. At this point, the guests noticed a woman had shuffled in and stationed herself behind Jesus. Not just any woman, but a woman well known in the town, a woman known not by her name, but by her occupation. Literally a woman of the town, a prostitute. Everyone knew who she was and didn't speak of what she did, emphatically called by those in the town a sinner. Slowly she began to approach Jesus. She had come with perfume in a jar, seemingly to anoint this man, this teacher, Jesus. She then began to bend down at Jesus' feet, noticing that Simon had not welcomed Jesus as he should have. An alarmed servant looked at Simon and moved towards the woman, but Simon waved him off. <laughs> no, no, let's see what happens, Simon thought. Let's see what this prophet does. This would be a revealing moment. How would this so-called prophet act around this sinful, dirty woman? At this moment, the woman began to cry. Why? Well, you'd have to ask her. Not, not mourning, though. It seemed to be 
more in, in thanks. Um, a little bit of shame, maybe, but thanks for something Jesus had seemingly said or done. And then sort of an embarrassment, a shame, seemingly for how she felt Jesus was being treated here. Watching on, surely Jesus would shove her away. Or maybe politely just nod to Simon and get a servant to remove her. Now with her mascara beginning to run, snot dribbling down her face, she took Jesus' dirty, dusty feet in her hands and began to clean them. Tears streaming down onto his once-sandaled feet. The guests stared on silently in shock. This was not an erotic scene, not the scene they would expect this woman to be a part of. This was both ugly and beautiful at the same time. Ugly as the, the mascara, the snot, the tears mingled onto Jesus's dusty feet, washing them clean. Beautiful as people watched on, not able to take their eyes away at the scene and able to take their eyes away from the obvious affection this woman had for this man who didn't shove her away as he really should have. Then it got even more shocking. With no towel forthcoming from Simon or from one of his servants to wipe his now perfumed feet, the woman did the unthinkable. In years to come, this act would be as shocking as her taking her top off, as performing nude. But she let down her hair in this culture at this time, an absolute scandal. It was known by all in the room that you only let down your hair for your husband. What was she doing as she wiped his feet dry with her hair, seemingly oblivious to all those watching on? Why was she doing this, with tears seemingly of joy, not sadness? Like a wife on her wedding night, was she pledging her allegiance to her husband, to, to this man? What was she doing? Simon nudged one of his friends and said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He wanted to see what the fuss was all about, whether he was a prophet of any kind, and to put him back in his place a bit. Well, he definitely isn't worth listening to, is he? How can he allow this? Jesus, though, didn't flinch. He didn't look uncomfortable as this, this woman, this prostitute, washed his feet with her manky hair. He didn't look to send her away or disgrace her. You see, for those who watched on, for us as we listen in, Jesus had three options, two of which were acceptable and one which definitely was not. Firstly, he could reject her, he could shove her and send her away. This is what any self-respecting teacher or prophet would do amongst such a sinful woman. Secondly, he, he could be slightly more polite. He could excuse her actions, summon Simon, apologise to this woman Getting out of hand. Yes, yes, Simon, uh, I do have a reputation for eating with sinners, but oh, this was next level. No, send her away. Or he could do the third thing, the unthinkable thing. 
he could defend her. This woman who was already humiliated in town could be defended, welcomed even by Jesus for her scandalous actions. And that is what he did. And the Pharisees watching on, Simon chief among them, those who had planned to interrogate and maybe humiliate Jesus, were stunned. He'd spoiled their best laid plans. Jesus looked at this woman with a look of, of kindness and love. Then he looked up at Simon, his host reclining opposite. Simon, I have something to tell you. Um, okay, tell me, teacher. Teacher, maybe said mockingly. Simon, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other owed him 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, Simon, which of them will love him more? Simon was, was trapped, confused a little bit, but trapped really. And Simon replied, I, Jesus, I, um, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Who is this man who seems to be calling me a sinner, Simon thought. He says I'm a lot better than this 500 denarii sinner who has just washed his feet. That's the woman, obviously, in this parable. But he's calling me a sinner as well. Jesus wanted to switch for thinking away from the sin of a sinner and towards the reaction of those who received their debt paid, who received forgiveness. So he spoke to Simon again. Simon, look at this woman. Look at her. Don't turn your eyes away from her. Look at her. You did not give me any water for my feet, Simon. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, Simon. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Simon, I'm a, I'm a Middle Easterner. You are as well. I do not have to explain to you your duty as a guest, Jesus was saying. You called me teacher at your invitation I entered your house and became a guest you refuse to notice this woman who you merely label a sinner and you expect me to do the same but can't you see Simon she is making up for your inexcusable failings as a host and if I'm to avoid sinners then I'm surely obliged to avoid you too Simon Jesus then looked directly at the woman again and said for all to hear in this courtyard your sins are forgiven shocked the the guests who had been watching this whole scene unfold muttered to themselves who is this who even forgives sins jesus then said to the woman 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's our story, our true story from the book of Luke today. And hopefully as we've, as we've looked at it, as we've understood the sort of cultural context of it, a culture very different to modern day England in many ways, hopefully we've lived within the story, we've understood it a bit more and grasped some of what is going on. Hopefully even just by hearing the story, by reading it, by seeing what Jesus did and said, we've been challenged and encouraged. What I'm going to say now as I help unpack it a bit for us, hopefully even without that, you've seen what caused us to worship Jesus. As we've seen more of what he's like, we've seen more of how he acted, of, of who he was. But um, as we sort of draw it all together, let us focus in on each of the characters to see what we learn here. Firstly, let's look at the woman. Jesus had been teaching and healing and proclaiming forgiveness around Israel. If we flip back in Luke, Luke 5 verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the words of God. Luke 5.15, the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their illnesses. Luke 5.17, we see Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. People had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Luke 5 29, we see Levi holding a great banquet, probably a bit like this, maybe people watching on. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And it was asked, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Luke 6, 16 to 18, we see a large crowd of disciples were there and a great number of people from all over Jerusalem. As we go on in Luke, a large crowd of his disciples, we hear, were there. A great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, had come to hear Jesus. Come to hear and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impute spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. In Luke, Luke has made it clear that crowds and crowds of people have been hearing Jesus. Hearing his message of, of forgiveness of sins, his healing which he's been performing. This woman, where did this woman hear the message of Jesus? The message of forgiveness and grace to all that he had been preaching in, in Tyre maybe or Sidon? Maybe at the Lake of Gennesaret? We, we don't know. What we do know is this woman was converted she was a follower of Jesus she'd listened and obeyed the message she trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of her sins and it had transformed her only a deep love for Jesus could have caused her to come to Simon the Pharisee's house that night only love and devotion could have got past the glances and the stares and the muttering and the scowling to be at Jesus' feet. A sinner is how she was described by Simon. Someone known, seemingly defined by her sin. All the commentaries seem to indicate she'd been a prostitute. The woman's reputation was sleazy. Her law-breaking was 
public knowledge. No one mistook her for a servant of God. Men had desired her, but no one admired her. But as Jesus unpacks the parable at the heart of this account, we see that despite being a sinner, or in the story, someone who, who owed a debt of 500 denarii, someone whose sin was well known, whose sins made him many in that way, she had had her debt cancelled. Sin in the Bible is often depicted as debt. Sin is, is a rejection, a rebellion against God. Something in this parable Jesus states we all have, that we're all sinners who have rebelled and rejected God. We have a debt, and debt need forgiving. This woman had publicly and prominently been known as a sinner, yet Jesus here declares her sins forgiven. Verse 42 in the parable, we see it says, so he forgave the debts of both. And then he zooms in in his conversation with Simon on the woman's response to that forgiveness. Did you see it in verse 47? Look down with me. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. For the woman, whoever has been forgiven a lot, loves a lot. This little sentence reveals a mammoth truth for us. We will love God to the degree that we recognise the magnitude of our sins and the immensity of God's grace to forgive them. Let me say that again. We will love God to the degree that we recognise that we know the magnitude of our sin and the immensity of God's grace to forgive them. This woman in this story, this woman had experienced forgiveness and responded in deep, passionate love for Jesus. A love which was not ashamed to be known, a love which could then ignore the tutting, ignore the stares, ignore the disapproval here. This woman faced up to the, the depth, the volume and vastness of her sin, of her debt. And as she had it forgiven, as Jesus had proclaimed forgiveness, the peace she felt, the peace Jesus declared at the end, your faith has saved you, go in peace. It overwhelmed her and overflowed in, in praise and love and devotion. She would be singing, as we're going to sing soon, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Her action showed that as she praised the Lord. We need to be so clear on this, though. The first thing we need to be so clear on, why I started with saying, where did she hear the gospel? Where did she respond to Jesus? Was because she was praising Jesus. She washed his feet in love and joy because she was forgiven, not in order to be forgiven. She was praising Jesus because she was forgiven, not in order to be forgiven. It's a completely false gospel. It's a false message. It's not the Bible to say you need to do something to be a certain way, a certain character, to be good enough, nice enough, and then God will accept you. No. I had a friend from hockey round for dinner sitting at this table I'm sitting at now, actually. And word for word, this is what he said. He said, I, I think as long as I'm a nice person, 
a good person and I do what is right, in sort of how the world views what is right, then how could God not let me into heaven? How could God not love me if I do what is right? He's sadly wrong. As Jesus reminds Simon in this story, we all have a debt. We all owe a debt, whether 500 or, or 50 in the story, it doesn't matter. All of us have fallen short of God's standard and do not deserve anything. We all have a debt. We all need forgiveness. This woman deserved nothing. Simon even deserved nothing. And yet Jesus offered her forgiveness and lasting peace. And it overflowed in joy and thanksgiving. It overflowed. And so the question which, which struck me as I read this, as I look at this woman, as I study her and think about her, is why is it that I so often show so little love for Jesus? Why is it I often show so little love for Jesus? You can't help but read this story and be challenged if you're a Christian here today on this point. Well, at least I couldn't. Why is my love so often cold, going through the motions, joyless? Well, I think as we see here, because I don't really see or face up to what a great sinner I am. That's the answer Jesus gives. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. We think so often our, our sin doesn't matter. It's not important. But then we need to think of the cross. Think of Jesus who here loved this woman sacrificially, who would later go on to die on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. We don't take our sins seriously until we take what took to deal with them seriously, the cross of Christ. One of the driving factors in our worship, in true worship and love for Jesus, is an awareness of how much he has forgiven us. The point of Jesus' parable, his story, was not that the woman had big sins to forgive and the Pharisee had only small sin. The point that was that true worship flourishes best when we're deeply aware of our own sin and our debt to Christ. When your love for Christ feels cold, take a look at your own sin. As I was looking at this and thinking about it, maybe one helpful thing to do to put into practice in maybe your daily rhythm is a time of confession. As you sit and read your Bible and you pray, spend time confessing your sins. We're told to confess our sins of the previous day. Bring them to mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Remind you of your sin. Not to wallow in them, but spend enough time in confession to cause you to grieve over them. To grieve over the death of Christ that was necessary because of our sin. But as I said, don't dwell there. Then, as you grieve over them, rush quickly to the cross and quickly to the words of Jesus. Use them here. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Peace. Confess. Come to the cross and leave with peace and joy. It's a daily rhythm, a daily battle. And it'll help us when our love for Christ feels cold. Take a look at our sin 
Take a look at the vast forgiveness we've been offered. Maybe that could be a discipline to integrate into your life today. To be more like this woman, not less, more like her. That's the woman. Let's zoom in as we close on Simon. Simon the Pharisee. You may have read this and gone, yeah, well, I'm not like that woman. I'm not a sinner in that way. And Simon probably felt that. He would have been aware of his sin, I'm sure. But he maybe wouldn't have thought it was a major issue for him. You see, he was a respectable teacher of the law. A Pharisee serving God, a pastor in some senses. He followed the law. He offered the right sacrifices. He kept the rules. People like Simon came to church. Maybe he was part of a home group or and a growth group. He gave a good amount of his salary to the church, at least 10%. He even logged in to watch church on YouTube whilst he was on holiday, wherever he could. As well, he came to prayer breakfast. Poor Simon. The woman was definitely a sinner, wasn't she? A rule breaker. She was known as a sinner. Jesus here reminds us that Simon was too. Even though he was a rule keeper. Rule breakers and rule keepers are both sinners. One by not following God's way for living and rejecting him. And one by not trusting him and instead relying on their own goodness. On their own obedience and then looking down on others. Remember, this woman was not forgiven because of what she did. But she was forgiven and so she acted in love and obedience. It was her faith that saved her, not her actions. But then she responded in a deep love for Jesus. Don't be fooled into thinking the things above will make God love you. The things I've just said. Church every week. Think of if you're a member of our church, we've got these sort of six things, these six things which we say we, we'd love to see from all members. Don't be fooled to think that those things will make God love you. They're a wonderful response to what God has done for you. They won't make God love you. The scandal, the offence of what Jesus teaches is that he makes it clear that both lawbreakers and keepers are sinners in equal need of forgiveness. And it's a forgiveness he freely offers to all. That's why the woman responded in such love and praise. It's why Simon and his pharisaical friends muttered to themselves and couldn't get it. It is scandalous. It is offensive. He offers forgiveness to all. He offers forgiveness to you. Confess your sin and then know peace. It may be harder to confess sin if you're more like Simon. When I said it a few minutes ago that being Part of your daily rhythm could be confession. If you said to yourself, well, Johnny, I'm, I'm not sure what I have to confess. Well, maybe you're more like Simon than you'd like to admit. I don't know what I did yesterday, which was a sin. Ask God to help point out your sin. As you pray to him, ask him to help point out your sin. And then run to him like this woman, unashamed and with abandon, come and run to Jesus. If you're listening today and you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, welcome, come to him. If you feel like the woman must have done, like you could never be good enough, but if God only knew what you had done, then he wouldn't forgive you. Well, nobody does know all that you've done. 
He knew this woman and he offers you today full forgiveness. And he offers peace. This woman would have gone to bed before she met Jesus each night, tossing and turning, wrecked with dissatisfaction and guilt. Now she's at peace, forgiven and at peace with her creator. If that's you tonight, if you're listening in, you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian and you've gone, I, just, I want forgiveness, then do just come to Jesus and then speak to us. We'd love to chat. Speak to me. You can find our emails on the website. You can give us a contact form on there. We'd love to hear from you and walk with you as you, like this woman, respond to what it means to now follow Jesus. No one is too dirty or too far gone to be forgiven. Augustina a proper worldly hedonist um, years and years ago, centuries ago, before he met Jesus, he brilliantly said, by loving the unlovable, you made me lovable. By loving the unlovable, you made me lovable. By loving this woman, Jesus shows his love can be for anyone, no matter what you've done. That's if you're like the woman. But if you're like Simon, if you're not sure of your sin, if you're you're, you think, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm, I'm quite a good person. Uh, I, I do what I, th I think should be done. I, I recycle, I uh, try not to drive too much, I put on my mask in the shops. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I follow the rules. Still, you need to come to Jesus. Don't be at a false peace. Only he can forgive your sins, which is your greatest problem. As the guests say, who can forgive sins? Well, God can. And Jesus is God. And he came to forgive sins. You need that. I need that. Friends, he who is forgiven little loves little. This little sentence reveals a mammoth, a huge truth for us. We will love God to the degree we recognise the, the weight, the magnitude of our sin and the immensity of God's grace to forgive them. So confess your sins. Know that you're a sinner and confess them and then quickly come to the cross with joy and love, marvelling at the immensity of God's grace to forgive them. Let that be what helps your love for God grow more and more and more. If you're like me, you maybe feel just how painfully short you fall of the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. So what can we do to grow in our love for God? I'm sure there's more than one right answer to this question. But here in Luke 7, Jesus actually tells the difference between someone who loves God much and someone who loves him little. He who is forgiven little loves little. He who recognises that he has been forgiven much loves much. Recognise if you've trusted in Christ, you've been forgiven much and love much. Love a lot, friends. Love a lot. And now we're going to sing and we're going to sing with real joy that because of Jesus, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Let's sing together this wonderful hymn which speaks of sins forgiven, which speaks of love for what God has done for us, for the forgiveness offered. Let's sing right now.